tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. How are you guys doing? And welcome over to the channel. If you guys are new, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. Do me, you know, do yourself a favor. Hit that little bell notification so every single time a video goes live, you get notified. Yes, YouTube strange, and they make you hit a bell every single time a video goes live. If you want to be notified, that is, it's very strange. Anyway, we're going to start off with maps. If you guys are new to the channel, I compiled this map myself. I made everything on this map is all by myself. Well, actually, the main reason why is because it's always up to date every single video. I always found all the maps online are always 12 to 24 hours or 48 hours behind. They're lagging information. That's not what you need. So as we're looking at this, red Russia, blue Ukraine, uh, these red lines you see here are the Russian forces, like their outer perimeters, essentially. And the red filled in is, of course, areas of control, and same with, with, with Ukrainians. These blue triangles you see around the blue areas, those are the ones that are, are more heavily fortified areas. So that being said, we're going to head and move on and show you just a little bit. If you guys are new to the channel, you won't know what I'm talking about. But if you've been around, you know this. This looks a little different, doesn't it? Look at all these areas. Quite different, huh? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do everybody a favor, including myself, and we're going to go ahead and draw in the main supply routes. So this is the supply routes that are for the eastern side of Ukraine as of currently. Now this one right here, look at that. Ooh, that's getting a little iffy right in this one area. Just go ahead and remember that. Well, we're going to start with the maps just for a second, just because I want to I talk about some other stuff. So the commander of the Russian Southern Military District, 8th Combined Arms Army, while that is a mouthful, the Lieutenant General Andrei Mordovici has actually been KIA in Kyrgyzstan. So that is another really, really, really extremely high-ranking Russian military like commander. Like Literally, this is a Lieutenant General. That's a huge deal. That's another massive blow for the Russian military, like a major blow. And what I mean by major blow is the fact that this is going to be a morale killer and for the fact that they, these, are, these are positions you cannot just randomly replace. Yes, someone will fill the gap, but it takes a very long time for someone to get in there and have the, well, I'm going to say experience, but they don't really have the current experience actually for the job. So maybe the person replacing them might do a bit better job for the Russians. So the Russian army has actually offered Ukrainian soldiers safe corridor out of Mariupol. If they lay down their arms, but most of them, actually all of them, every single one of them refused, and, uh, and they say they're going to continue to fight and hold off the invading forces from taking the city. The reason why they've done this is because they, they know what's going to happen, and it's actually happening currently. They, the, the Russians have actually forcefully removed thousands of civilians out of Mariupol, and they moved them into Russia, with, with literally forced them into Russia. So these civilians have allegedly been taken to the camps where Russians are checking their phones and documents and have been moving them into remote cities inside of Russia to isolate them from the rest of the country. Now, they're doing that is because they don't want the civilians inside of Russia to actually hear what's going on. Now, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. This is, this is something that should be talked about all over the world, but a lot of people aren't talking about it. I don't know why mainstream media does not talk about these kind of things right here. This is a big deal, and that's why they're doing it. They're isolating them in random, tiny, tiny towns so they can't spread the information of, actually, of, of what is actually going on inside of Ukraine. So, I, I, you know, I got a video for you. If you're ever wondering how Russians set up their fighting positions, I have a video I'm going to show you guys uh, right now. Here's, here's that. Выбыли 
That was an abandoned Russian fighting position just outside of Kiev. This is just as of really recent, just with over the last 12 hours or so. I wanted to kind of show you guys exactly what it is and what they're sitting. These are these are like little tiny foxholes, I guess you would say. They're standing up positions, and they're just on the edge of a tree line. That's pretty much it. I mean, these are pretty standard, but I thought you guys would like to see them. I'd like to show you guys what's actually going on and what these the living conditions are there for the men. And this is actually kind of a big deal, kind of the same thing. So Belarusian di diplomats, all of them have just left Ukraine. Now, I know this may not seem like a big deal. This may not seem like a big deal, but this could be the beginning of, of the Belarusians actually entering the conflict formally. Okay, They haven't ever entered the conflict formally. They've set up troops. They have allowed Russians to, to fire rockets and everything else out of their, their country, but they've never actually entered this conflict formally. And there's actually been three more false flags that came from the Russians over the last 12 hours. These are kind of goofy, but these, these are ones we need to take note of. Plotting attacks against Western diplomats in Lviv. Planting explosive with ammonium and chlorine in Sumy. They've been talking about this. Like These are things that they're talking about that, that could possibly happen that the Ukrainians are stepping up, set, setting up to make the Russians look like they did it. Now, we know that's not true. And they're, they're talking about they've actually sent chemical to a school in Katlorova village outside of Mykolaiv. So they're, they're, they're setting up all these things, all these what we call false flags, just in case they were to happen. Now we know why. It's kind of like the thing where they said that they, uh, the Ukrainians have set up explosives inside of hospitals inside of Dnipro. Now, what's even crazier about that is the mayor came out and said, well, if that's the case, then how about you don't fly your airplanes over our city so maybe the hospital won't explode. And that's actually something that had came out because they were saying that they were, they were setting up these, these explosives within inside the hospitals so they were going to blame the, the Russian military from dropping bombs on the hospitals, kind of like a precursor for what was actually going to happen. That, that's, that's the same thing with these. And if you guys did not know, the Danish Minister of Defense have actually announced that Denmark is willing to send military support to NATO or Polish to lead a peacekeeping mission in Ukraine. There's actually, I think there's seven or eight current countries that have said yes. And these countries are Slovenia, Czechia, Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and Denmark, clearly. I know I almost jacked up one of those names. And uh, the Russian ambassador to Bosnia has actually stated in an interview that they have plans against NATO. They currently have plans already in progress and actually laid out, and they're assessing the geostrategic situation, and they would respond to any threats, which is kind of crazy. You want to talk about NATO, by the way. They have 40,000 troops currently under direct NATO command. They have 100,000 troops. That's the U.S. right now. U.S. has 100,000 troops deployed to Europe. 130 Allied aircraft at high alert and 140 Allied ships at sea. Now, I have this pretty little infographic I'm showing you guys that is currently on the NATO's eastern flank. Now, if you guys can't tell me that's not defensive, defensive posturing and deterrence at its best, that's quite powerful. I mean, they're literally doing 24-7 air patrol and surveillance all the way through. Right now, Poland has 120,000 troops. 120,000 troops, and there's 10,000, so there's 130,000 troops right now in Poland, between NATO and Poland's troops. Look how many troops are actually staged on the, the entire side, I guess, of touching Russia. It's quite a bit. So now we're going to move over to the map. So Kiev, as you guys can tell, there's been a lot going on, all right? A lot. Ambushes, counteroffensive, weak stuff from the Russian military. It's, it's been pretty, pretty bad for them. 
So the Ukrainian forces actually set up a successful ambush on the northwest side of Kiev in the town of Malin. They took out three T-72 tanks and a T-72B3M. Those are the images you guys are currently seeing. So we're going to move over here to Irpin as well. They've been flooding Irpin. So this is a tactic that we've seen all the way back to World War II. The Germans did it on us. Well, they did it in France on us when they found out that we're going to be doing an airborne attack. They did it to flood the fields to make it more difficult to actually get troops in there so the troops can't land in a flooded field. They can't do that. They've been doing the same thing in Irpin to actually stop the, the offensive pushing in from Kiev. It's a very smart tactic. So you guys see Irpin, they're starting to flood out this area just around there to stop. It's not the entire city, clearly, but it's a certain area so where the Russians can actually advance through to get into Kiev from that northwestern side. So the Russian forces in Kiev are currently combat ineffective. They haven't made a successful offensive action since March 9th. I know a lot of people probably don't remember that because it seemed like forever ago. And that's when they pushed into Irpin. They actually pushed in, then they got pushed out. And they pretty much have been in a stalemate in the entire area since then. They currently have conducted two operational pauses to refit and reorganize. They have moved forward additional artillery units and have restructured the entire, so the entire area, the current BTGs, the battalions essentially, have been restructured from the remnants of destroyed ones. So they're they're just taking remnants of destroyed battalions and companies and having to remake new ones because they're so there's potholes essentially or holes in their in their entire line up there. So they're having to redo everything. That's 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 why there's been such a pause in that northwestern side of Kiev, and a, a lot has to do with morale, logistics. Uh, strategic <laughs> knowledge, like the actual command groups there, they have no idea what they're doing. So the Russian rear is somewhere about right here. Now there's a lot that's going on right there. So imagine being the rear element of the Russian force up there, up near Kiev. You're just kind of hanging out. There's not a lot going on. And then all of a sudden, the Ukrainians do a counteroffensive or a counterattack on you. And that's exactly what happened today. So they actually targeted Russian logistical hubs with artillery and UAV strikes somewhere in the rough vicinity of this, this, you know, we're going to make it a little X, a little box in X right there. So they actually made a counteroffensive out of Malov and <laughs> actually hit the rear, like the rear force of the Russian military. Imagine you're back there just hanging out and all of a sudden you're having artillery rounds dropped on you. or UAVs hitting you. You're supposed to be back there just chilling. They can't even pull rear security correctly right now. So we're going to move over to Sumi. Oh, you guys know Sumi. So this video you're about to see is actually from a from another ambush. The Ukrainians have been setting up these ambushes. They've been doing guerrilla warfare phenomenally. They've been setting up in small teams, and they're taking out either one or two vehicles, and they're bouncing. That's all they're doing. They're messing with the Russians, and they're doing a very good job of it. I mean, if you're on the Ukrainian side, you guys are rooting them on because they're doing a phenomenal job. Here's a video of that. <laughs> So this is this is a big deal. The main the main routes going in. So these black lines right here. I'm gonna go ahead and just circle them for you guys. So those two black lines. Those are the main routes coming in for supplies and logistics. This other one is actually that is the border of Russia and Ukraine. So this is crazy. They took back more ground over the last 12 hours. Yes, the Ukrainians took back more ground. So right here, you guys see this additional piece I put on. I kind of leave it there so you guys can see it even better. They pushed them all the way back down into Pryluki almost. So if you see this, this is another route that comes through here. That main route that comes through there, it's now almost cut, cut off. So if they cut off this route, if somehow the Russians cannot hold off this area and that route is cut off, guess who's going to be completely cut off from any type of logistical support and resupplies? This element right here on the eastern side of Kiev. So right now, 
This is a huge deal. Like a mass, This is probably one of the biggest turning points of this entire conflict is this right here. If the Ukrainian forces can push down and cut off this route all the way to the eastern side of Kiev, then these forces, these Russian forces that are right here that I just showed you, those ones are going to be completely cut off and not get any type of logistical support whatsoever. They've also pushed through and actually broke through a few lines. Here you see this. Look at this. These Russian forces are separated. They're separated now. That's kind of, that's kind of a big deal. I, d- I did annotate over here around Kototop and this Hukliv. Hukliv up here in the northeast side. Now, those two areas, yes, they are surrounded completely. But the Russian forces, they don't have enough men to actually push through and take them. And right now, they have no need to. These They, they don't gain anything by trying to push through here and lose more men on the way. But at the same time, if they don't push through, these forces that are in here are the ones that are keep popping out, and they're the ones that are keep doing all the damage to this road. You know what I mean? They're the ones that are doing all the ambushes. They're coming out of Sumi. Sumi is almost 100% surrounded by Russian forces, and they're still doing counteroffenses and ambushes out of Sumi on Russian forces. That's crazy. Like, this whole area in the northeast side could be the, 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 it, it, it could be the entire end to the Russian military when it comes to this conflict up here. Unless they do something completely different, they need to find a route. As we know that they've been staging up in this northern side of Kiev right here where I just put this mark, they've been staging pontoons up there. But we know their pontoons have been failing. They haven't been able to do that. They, they've been literally been, been sinking their own, their own APCs and tanks up in this area. But if they do get a route in, then these forces on this eastern side will actually be able to be resupplied. So we're moving east. Kharkiv and this entire area, so they still control all this area. Matter of fact, they've actually pulled more troops out of the Kharkiv area to pull them up into Sumy. Yes, Russians are having a hard time maintaining this Kharkiv. I don't know if they're going to give it up. They can't really give it up because out of here in Belgrade, as you guys do know, this is a staging area. So that's a big deal. But Sumy is right here. So the, a lot of the reinforcements and such, and such go actually go east, or excuse me, go west out of Belgrade, and they go in that route, route on Sumy. But they need Kharkiv. So the 81st and the 95th Air Assault Brigades actually defeated the Russian advances on the south side of Izium today. So we know that the Russians controlled the north side of Izium. So here's the north side. We're going to say right here, here's the south. They tried to push through. The Ukrainians were smart. They pushed two brigades worth of men over there and overtook and overpowered the Russian forces. Now, as, as we were making this video, there's a current assault on Severe Nididesk actually happening. They've been trying to do this for, for multiple days now. Now, Rubizyn, which is right here, the north side of the city. The north side of this town is controlled by Russian forces. If they were to push through, this is a big deal. So keep in mind, if they push through here, they're going to be able to push all the way through to Izium. Izium is a big deal because this will be the main route that they will take to go over to Nipro, which is down over here. This is one of the areas they want to get to. They're going to have to take these main routes. See this main route that goes all the way through here? These are the main routes. They need those main routes. And that's one of the things they're going to have to get through. So right now, Severe Nididus is actually, well under attack as I am making this video. Russians have been doing multiple probing attacks down here in the south as well. Maripool, no change down there. No change. Still house-to-house fighting. They're, they have not made any ground. That is the Russian forces. They haven't been able to push through at all. So this whole area hasn't changed one bit. Now, we'll say over here they've been doing probing attacks, the same ones they've been kind of come through. They haven't been able to make any type of actually positive ground gained in that area by the Russians. So the, with there being no change over there, we're going to switch over to Mikolai, which is more west. And there has been some pretty significant movements. We know the other day that there was a counteroffensive and the, the Ukrainians took back that area right there. So that is a big deal. The Russians, I think, are actually lacking men in this area and logistical support is pretty significant reason why they're actually losing ground. As you see up here, they lost ground. They lost a significant piece of ground. You guys remember there, as, as of 24 hours ago, they had men all the way up there. Now they don't. 
They were actually pushed all the way back just out of Nova Odessa. Now, with that being said, they have actually been doing probing attacks on the Bug River. So they are still doing probing attacks to try to find a way through to get to the backside of Mykolaiv, but I don't believe they have enough men to do that. Russian forces on the outer lying areas of Mykolaiv. So the outer lying area of Mykolaiv are currently combat ineffective and are suffering from extreme low morale from the troops on the ground. They also have no logistical support and ineffective leadership. The current situation in the Russian military doesn't currently possess the ability to advance to Zapsarzia due to sufficient combat troops and lack of logistical support. So they cannot actually make that push to Zapsarzia. They're trying to make these, these pushes up to Krivi Ra. Right over here, Krivi Ra right there. They haven't been able to. They don't have enough men up there. They literally have none. They've been pushed back. I mean, you're talking about an area right here they lost ground on. One week ago, we thought they were going to push all the way around and go down to Odessa. Like, we thought they were going to be able to push through and then make their way down to Odessa and take this power plant, which is right there, which is not the case. They literally are, are lacking with the ability to move men, which logistics is a huge deal with war. And this is causing them to lose tons of ground all throughout the country. The Russian forces have actually fired the first ever hypersonic missile into battle. They're the first ones to ever do it. They claim to have taken out an arms depot in western Ivo Frankivs. This is a pretty big deal, mainly for the fact that they're now upping the kind of munitions that they're actually using in this war. I've stated multiple times they may use chemical weapons. That could be a thing. They're losing the battle in these cities. They need to regain control of these cities. Chemical weapons are a big deal inside of cities. This hypersonic missile test, they, they've never done anything like this. No one's ever done this in top of the war. Yes, North Korea and everybody shot him, but no one's actually used them in battle. Also, this is crazy. We're going to end it on this note. This is crazy. The Russians have actually laid mines on the commercial routes that are leading into the Black Sea. So the entire northwestern part of the Black Sea right now has been mined by Russian ships. The commercial routes, like to get like supplies into the Ukraine, like all the commercial routes in there, have literally been mined by the Russian ships. I have no idea how that's even legal, to be honest with you, but I guess it's international waters. I'm, no one's even said how that this just came out when I was making this, so I have no idea where this is going to go. But right now, that's what's going on on the ground. That's what's going on in Ukraine. And I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this video, and I will see you guys tomorrow with another one because, you know, we do daily videos on the Ukraine update, uh, the Ukraine war. So I'll see you guys later.